Hello, everyone. This is Michael Fanning with Ask a Windermere Coach. And on occasion, I'll be joined by Nick Hansen, Doug Simcock, and Eric Thompson. On this podcast, we want to talk about how to create great work-life balance and epic customer service in the real estate industry. We hope you enjoy our podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ask a Winning Coach. My name is Michael Fanning, and this is our coaching podcast where we take some tough real estate questions and situations, and we give you some answers and some strategies to help you uh, give great client uh, service to your your customers and also get you educated a little bit in the process. And I'm super excited today because I have our one and only Matthew Gardner, our economist for Windermere. But by the way, Matthew, are there any other real estate companies that have an economist? Not traditional. Well, by the way, hello, Michael. How are you? Good. I'm. How are you? Matthew? I'm Thank doing you. well. Thank you. Introduction's done. Um, in terms of traditional, no, I think we are still the only one in the country uh, that has one. Now, obviously, the Redfins will have you do, but uh, I don't really count them as traditional brokerages. So are we the only one? Um, it's my understanding. Yes, we are. Well, I got to tell you, we're super lucky, and I am always thrilled uh, whenever I listen to you talk because you always bring great information. And I thought today we would cover basically four questions that I keep hearing in our coaching calls that keep coming up. And I just want to do this podcast so that our clients can really maybe get better understanding of how to communicate better with their with their clients in terms of what's happening in real estate. So the first question that we get is this one: is is the appreciation going to get us in trouble uh, with the housing market right now uh, in the future? And that is a question I get asked an awful lot as well. And the simple answer is yes and no. Imagine a, an economist saying that, right? So <laughs> it depends. We, it really depends, <laughs> right? So uh, here, here's what's happening. I mean, we had appreciation across the country, what, last year of over median home price up over 9%, uh, I believe, and a, a massive number. If you go back in history, it's been beaten a couple of times over the years. But generally speaking, I mean, it's way up there. So we're seeing that. Is that a concern for people like myself? Absolutely it is. But there are reasons and lots of reasons why we've seen such a rampant uh, rate of growth uh, over the course, certainly of the last year. The first one is inventory. There's nothing out there to buy. We have more demand than we have supply. Now, go back to Econ 501, right, when you're at, uh, at Western Washington. Right. Go Vikings. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's when you have more demand and supply, what happens to prices of anything? They go up. And that's what we saw. But at the same time, we also saw interest rate, mortgage rates drop by almost a full percentage point through right. the COVID-19 period. So it gives people a lot more buying power. Uh, and, and several other things have happened as well. Uh, prices went up uh, because, to a degree, due to work from home. And now how has that impacted markets? Well, for those people that have the ability to work from home, most of them are homeowners as opposed to renters. 
Well, perhaps they live uh, in Seattle or in King County, and they're being told by their companies, you can come into work, but only a couple of days a week. So I really believe it's going to be a blend. It's not going to be all or nothing. Right. Then so they can say, well, great. Uh, I can take uh, the house. I can sell the house that I've got, uh, cash out of it, go to north or south or, or even west out of Kitsap County, and we can, uh, I can buy a home there for a lot less money, put down either a massive down payment or pay all cash. We are seeing those uh, situations as well. And when you do that, if you're moving into cheaper markets, that can boost the overall rate of growth. So is it a worry? Um, yes, it is. And it is because there must always be a relationship between incomes and home prices. We broke it and we have been broke it for the last several years. So do I expect to see a massive contraction, same way we saw in 08, 09? No, I don't. But we are reaching that inflection point and that ceiling. What does that mean? Well, I do expect to see that uh, home sellers, for example, who've had their own way for a very long time, why well, it's quite likely that their expectation for what their home is worth could possibly be above what the brokers out there who are valuing their homes believe it to be. Uh, and I would advise all of uh, the brokers listening to this, stick to your guns. You will always know far, far more accurately how much somebody's home is worth more than they will. Right. Uh, and so we've seen this massive surge and, and sellers getting basically whatever they wanted to. We're starting to see already a softening in list prices. Uh, and that means ultimately over time that that rate of appreciation is going to slow. Is it something to worry about? Are we in a bubble? No, we are not. But we cannot continue at this rapid uh, rate of appreciation well above uh, the levels of, of income growth we've seen in concert naturally with mortgage rates, which have started to rise. The mortgage rates that are fixed starting with a, a two handle, they're gone, they're behind us. So uh, I, we're gonna be in the threes certainly for a while, four plus percent mortgages there are ways off, but we're not going down uh, in terms of rate, we're starting to go up. And that again will act as a bit of a headwind to price appreciation. Right, I have a real quick question, just side note here, because I heard this the other day, somebody said that, um, it's, we, you know, we have, I mean, sales are higher than they were last year. So we're doing more of it. Someone said, you know, it's not so much an inventory issue as it is a demand issue. Um, you know, kind of like when, uh, when COVID hit and all of a sudden you couldn't find toilet paper anymore. We had toilet paper, just, it was just being bought up so quickly that it felt like it was, it was non-existent. Is that kind of similar to what we're seeing today? Uh, actually, no, it's not. Uh, I mean, we if you look at the country, uh, inventory levels in March were a hair above a million units. I mean, the long-term average going back to 1968 is about 2.4 million. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it's certainly not normal. Uh, you, you can try blaming COVID. But there's another more unique reason why this is the case. And that is the fact we haven't been building enough right. housing for a very, very long time. And as we create new owner households that want to buy, if we're not building more because we're creating new, so you can't just take the existing inventory, there's more, we're creating more households than those uh, dying or going into assisted living. It, it doesn't work. And so we need to build more. The good thing is permits are up, starts are up uh, significantly, homes under construction are, which is good, but it, it's not a panacea. It's not gonna answer everything. Uh, for the simple reason that it's very, very expensive to build a home. Lumber prices are up by 170% in 
Yeah, I saw that. I went to months. Home Depot to get some lumber, and I was I was just amazed. Oh yeah, I mean you've got to pretty much kind of uh, mortgage your kids' college fund in order to pay for it. <laughs> so it, it's very very hard. So uh, you've got construction costs are up, material costs, labor costs, land costs. So that means, unfortunately, that the price that a builder has to sell the home for has to reflect those increased costs. And that can make it to a degree unaffordable. And so they're not, even though we're building more, it may not well not be the answer to the question. And there will still be significant issues when it comes to uh, existing inventory. And also, there's one more thing, Mike, and it's this. In America now, we live in our homes for twice as long as we did 15 years ago. Right. We're not moving as frequently. So we're not seeing that churn. We're not seeing that turnover. And that, again, is another problem if new construction is not keeping up. So the lack of inventory, the lack of new build, and the also the lack of resale because people are staying in their homes longer. That's absolutely right. Yep, yep. So this question comes up. So will we see a more normal market later in the year or later in 2021 or into 2022? Will it, will it start to, I guess, normalize and not be so frenzied right now as we're seeing it? I think I'd love to tell everyone that, yes, we're going to be back to normal this year. I just don't see it. Will sales be higher? Yeah, we'll probably, uh, if you look at U.S. Uh, existing home sales, that's single family and multifamily, will probably 2021 to be above 6 million units. I think it'll be more than that in 2022. So I think we're going to get closer to normality uh, in 2022. We should have about 6.4 million transactions by my forecast. So this year, I think it is going to remain a home seller's market. But at the same time, as I mentioned earlier, some of pri the price expectations that home sellers have, ah, they're, they're getting a bit heady right now. They're getting a bit above themselves. So I do expect to see uh, brokers start to push back a little bit uh, on the expectation of what a home is worth. But will it be a normal market this year? Uh, everything's pointing to the fact that it won't. It will still be a home seller's market. Still be kind of frenzied the way it is. So get your processes, get your systems up, uh, do the best you can, offer the highest level of service you can, because we're going to see this for a little while is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, you really got to put the best offer together for your clients as possible if you represent the, the home seller. Uh, try and be as competitive. Uh, don't give the ranch away. We've, we've certainly seen transactions. I was talking to some brokers in California, a home sold uh, for a million over list, $1 million above list price. Now, who's to blame for that? Is it the fact the broker horribly undervalued it? I would say, no, it's not. It's the fact the market is so frenetic uh, that the bidding war went on. All it takes, as with any auction, all it takes is two parties that both want it, uh, who's going to blink first? Exactly. Whatever the seller's willing to sell and the buyer's willing to pay. That is what the value of anything is. <laughs> okay, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to answer two more of the questions. So we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. This is Michael Fanning. And with me is Eric Thompson. We're with Windermere Coaching. We thought we'd take just a moment to let you know a little bit about maybe how to get your feet wet into coaching with Windermere Coaching through the Windermere Path. Eric, tell us a little bit about the Windermere Path. So the Windermere Path gives you a call every week. You can join live or you can watch the recording. One of three things happen on those calls. You get a specific lesson that's taught by you, Mike, by Doug Simcock, by me, or Nick Hansen. The second thing that happens is we do live interviews with your Windermere colleagues. So you can hear right from them about how they are implementing all the tools that we teach them in coaching so that you can be inspired by their story 
The third thing that happens is you get to ask questions of us, things that are happening in your business right now, in your world, we help just to keep you on the, on the ninja path. Hey, Eric, it sounds like a lot of great content. So listeners, if you're interested in finding out more about the Windermere Path, simply go to windermerecoaching.com, click on the explore button, give us your name and your email address, and we'll get back to you with all the information you need to get started on the Windermere Path. Thank you so much, and we'll return you to our content. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ask a Windermere Coach. And I'm here with our esteemed Matthew Gardner, the Windermere Economist. And uh, we were just uh, going through kind of our economy right now. And Matthew had just said uh, before break that he had heard in a California listing where it went a million over. And so, Matthew, this is the next question. In your opinion, you know, as these, uh, these uh, buyers are paying uh, these absorbent amount in their mind, right, above listing price, their question is, is real estate still a solid investment? And are they going to be able to see the equity if they're paying that much for the homes as they move forward? Right. And I think the, the easy answer to that is, is this. It depends on how long you live in your home. Now, if you're paying a million over list to try and flip it, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> that might be a bit of an issue. Uh, however, if you look at this uh, asset you're buying as your home and shelter first, and uh, an asset that appreciates second, then I think you're going to be fine. And I say that because, and particularly, I, I tend to talk to more first-time buyers about this. And that is, one, can you afford the mortgage? Are you comforting your job? But most importantly, will you live in your home for at least seven years? And if right. you say yes to all those th questions, then you have gardener's blessing to buy a home. Uh, because I think that if you want to flip it, it's going to be a problem. However, over time, you know, what's interesting, Mike, is that Home prices in America very, very infrequently drop. Now, you might get a month of a month, but annualized drop, very, very rare. And so they do tend to go up. Now, they're certainly going up at a, a well above normalized rates. However, over time, then, yeah, I, I think it's not, it's not a problem. And uh, so ultimately, if you're looking to invest, if you're looking at your home as an investment first and a home second, ah, you see, then you can get into trouble. And so I think ultimately that, that's the way anyone needs to consider it. What about in this kind of a second to that question is what about the investors out there that are looking for investment real estate? It's like I'm, I'm in that boat, right? And I'm looking for places where there's still affordability. Um, are there still opportunities out there for investors to get second homes or investment properties in that sense with what's been going on? Yeah, well, it's two different things. I mean, on the second home side, we've actually saw certainly across Windermere's footprint, but also across the country, a massive spike uh, in second home purchases through COVID-19. Now, what was happening? Well, there's a couple of things. One of which is interest rates, even on jumbo loans, so low, it, it was almost free money. And so that certainly came into play. But we also had a lot of people say that, that they were looking to buy a second home as a long-term alternative to hotel-based vacations. Got it. And uh, I was actually chatting to some owners out in Montana. And they're saying that they had more people coming to them to look to buy homes uh, who were based out of either Los Angeles or uh, Manhattan than they ever seen before. Wow. Uh, now, here's what's curious about that. I want to see a Los Angelian survive a Bozeman winter. <laughs> yes, exactly. Good luck chilling. Right, exactly. And therefore, we saw massive spikes in appreciation. So second home buyers, uh, one, alternative to vacations, two, money is cheap. 
uh, and uh, therefore I, I'm, I'm borrow as much as I can because it is very, very cheap. And, and that certainly is uh, helping that market. Now, on the investor side, as in buy a home and then rent it out, well, there's a certain amount of caution going on there right now, naturally, because of COVID-19 and because of the moratoria on evictions. So there's some uncertainty there. But the trouble is, in many uh, urbanized areas, home prices are at a level now where it just doesn't make financial sense because what you have to pay for the home and also your debt on that home is going to be above the achievable rent for that home. So you've really got to get your ducks in line and your numbers very accurate. Now, do I think the rental market is going to normalize again? Sure. Do I also believe there will be still demand for single family rentals? Absolutely. Not everyone wants to or indeed can live in an apartment. There's a lot of families out there that uh, can't afford to buy, uh, and especially now where the market is and as expensive as it is in many parts of the country, and they're, they're stuck, and so they have to rent. Uh, but there's also going to be a ceiling on the rent that they can afford to pay. So I would say that that is still a valid market uh, in terms of an investment uh, part of your portfolio. But more importantly, get your numbers right. Know what your debt levels are. Know what your expected returns are and know what rents you're going to have to ask per month for it to make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, don't buy just because you can. It doesn't yeah, that, make any sense. That makes good. That's a good advice is pencil it out. Make sure it's going to be a solid investment where it's either cash flow or break even. Yeah. And then and then also, too, I think it's a long term hold. It goes back to that idea of flipping. Right. It's not a flipping market. It's a buy long term hold rent and uh, build on that uh, appreciation that's happening on an annual basis. Oh, very much so. And that's the way to look at it. And again, ultimately, I think for most people who are investors in housing, uh, and certainly single family housing, I mean, yeah, as, as you very adroitly stated, that, uh, I mean, don't look to make money on it. You'll be making yep. money in the long run. If you can cover your nut, if you can cover your expenses, then then it still makes, makes sense to do it. Right. Uh, but, uh, but in terms of trying to make a bunch of money on it, that probably is not the way to go. I totally agree. All right. The last question we have here, which is we're hearing a lot. So buyers are getting frustrated because they're making multiple offers. They're not, they're not getting into, they're getting, uh, you know, they're getting beaten in, in their offers and they're just getting tired. And so some buyers are saying, well, you know what, I'm going to wait. Uh, I'm going to hold off because maybe this appreciation will stop and then I'll, then I'll buy. What's your advice to those buyers that are thinking maybe they should hold off? Buyer fatigue. Uh, and yeah, and we, we've seen it uh, actually in 2019. Uh, it's, we saw some interest rates changes and that kind of made a, a bit of a, an adjustment in the marketplace. But in general or in aggregate, it, it has been hard. We went through a bit of a softer period, but it certainly is extraordinarily hard now. What I would say for, for buyers out there, it, yes, it can be very, very frustrating. You can be putting together the best offer possible. You can be writing the those groveling letters to the home seller saying, please choose me. Uh, and that's great, but uh, it's, there's only so many offers you can make that you get turned down on. It's very easy to walk away. Should you do that? I would say, no, you shouldn't. As I mentioned earlier on, I think that we will see total sales velocities actually increase this year. And again, even more so next year. Uh, and so we are going to see more transactions. Therefore, we're going to see more supply. We're going to see more supply because of people moving out and some markets to cheaper markets. We're also going to see more supply because those people that can work from home, maybe their existing home 
doesn't make sense. It doesn't work uh, for, for that environment. I mean, personally speaking, I've been working for my dining room table now for almost 14 months. A long time. A long time. <laughs> So and so there are people that already we know this that are looking to move elsewhere to, to have a buy a home that has a formalized separate office. But there's another reason as well. And, and that is a more unique one. And it's a thesis that I'm putting together right now, which is you know, what do we do when we look at, at anything too often? We get bored. Right. I have stared at the same walls for the last 14 months. Um, <laughs> all day long. Think, all day long <laughs> and, uh, and all night long as well. Yeah. And so, so what you see is that people are going, yeah, my living room's not big enough. My, my yard's not big enough. I'd like a bigger kitchen. I think some people will just choose to move because they're, they're bored with what they've got. I've spent more time in my home the last 14 months than I've done in the last eight years that I've owned it. So people will do that. So that because of that, so we're going to start seeing some more inventory. So hang in there. It is going to make sense. Uh, you will see more choice and there hopefully it'll get a bit easier. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is actually twofold. One of which is our price is going to stay static or even drop. No, they're not. Right. So what happens if you wait? Well, by my forecast across the country, home prices are going to be up by about, say, uh, well, just shy of 7% next, this year, probably about 5.5% uh, next year. So they're still going up. That's an issue. And also mortgage rates. Yes. Uh, mortgage rates, without a doubt. I mentioned earlier that they are starting to very slowly climb, but they are climbing. And we all know that for every one percentage point increase in mortgage rates, that decreases your buying power by 10%. You can afford to buy 10% less house. So when you combine price appreciation between now and when you choose to start looking again, when you look at mortgage rates now and when you start uh, to choose to look again, uh, all of a sudden the house that you might have qualified for today, you may well not qualify for in a year's time. Right. So don't stop. I mean, I know it's frustrating. I know it's hard, uh, but please hang in there. You will find the right house. Your broker will find it for you, uh, but it's going to be unfortunately still very, very tight for the time being. Well, and a lot of times we find too, is that um, if you didn't get that house, I've yet to hear a buyer who then eventually did get a house that said, well, I'm, I regret that we didn't get the first one we made an offer. I guess we'll just be okay with this one. Normally they say, I'm so glad that that one didn't go through because this house that we actually ended up getting was a great house and it's really what we wanted. And I, I hear that over and over and over again. So it's just a matter of hanging in there hmm. and not getting frustrated, removing the drama out of it and just say, you know what, it is what it is and you'll get to where you, you'll, you'll end up where you need to be. Um, you know, and your broker should help you uh, through that process. And I think so. I mean, ultimately, Mike, for almost 96% of the population of America, buying a home is the most expensive thing they will ever buy in their lives. And so exactly. it's a very, very big decision to make. And it's very easy to try and second guess yourself. However, anyone that's saying, okay, I'm going to wait because in a year or two years, there'll be more supply. Well, maybe, but we talked about mortgage rates and prices. I'm even hearing some people saying, well, you know what? All these homes in forbearance. I'm going to wait because when forbearance ends, we're going to see a flood right, of yes. new inventory. Uh, not going to happen. Absolutely not going to happen. We will see more foreclosures this year. It's very sad, but we will. But by my forecast, it's probably going to be about 
between five and six hundred thousand. That that's in essence on the long term average. It's, it's nothing to worry about. So anyone, if you're waiting for a, a flood of inventory, which will cause prices to drop back to supply demand, uh, yeah, good luck. Uh, yeah. It's 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 not going to work. Exactly. And one last thing I want to ask you is that I heard you talk about this the other day is that where are we right now with uh, with homeowners that have equity in their house? I, I heard it's it's some kind of crazy number, isn't it? It's like 60 percent of them have some higher percentage of equity in their homes today. Yeah, it's uh, that's a great statement. So when you talk about equity right now, over 30 percent of, of homes in America have more than 50 percent equity. Wow. Total equity in the country is about roughly $21 trillion. Now, breaking it down, in Washington state, it's 41% of homes have more than 50% equity. California, 46%. Colorado, about 36.5%. So, uh, in essence, well above one in three have more than 50% equity. So, uh, and that's another reason why people are hanging in there and just waiting. They're riding that wave uh, of price growth. Well, and it goes back to what you said, too. As soon as we get bored, I'm probably OK in a hot market to sell my house, knowing that I'm going to actually do well and make some good money sure. and be able to maybe downsize or change up where I am or geographically relocate to where something that is less than what I have now. And so that's where you said you, we might see uh, a little bit more inventory start to float. To the top. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the case. I mean, there's a couple of markets, which which obviously I mentioned already, Seattle um, and the move out of King County for those to work from home, to go to Snohomish, Kitsap, Pierce. But it's not just here. I mean, think about the LA Basin, for example. People are leaving there. They're going to Riverside. Right. Now, they're staying in California. And what's interesting at Riverside is that from a, a technical affordability standpoint, it's horrible, like 30-something percent of, on an affordability basis. But people coming out of LA with a lot of money, they can go there. It is dirt cheap. And so we are going to see that migration out of some of the very expensive areas. We're certainly absolutely seeing it in Manhattan uh, as well, not just because of where prices are, because of tax policies in uh, in New York State. They're going down to Florida. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see over the next few years the real impacts of COVID-19. Now, yes. do I believe that we're going to all of us are going to leave and move to Let's say you and I are in Seattle, right? We're going to move to Yakima. No, we're not. It's not going to happen. (laughs) But moving a bit further out, and certainly it's a lot cheaper. And that's an interesting thought as well. Uh, And it really is based upon the fact that there's a value to our time. We will pay more to live closer to where we need to be. Mm -hmm. And that's why if you think about home prices, the closer you get to any urban market, the more expensive it becomes. Well, all of a sudden, if you're working from home part time, then you will put up with a lousy commute for a couple of days a week. Right. In order to get a lot more house or to pay down a lot of that mortgage debt that you have. So it's happening here. We're seeing it in Oregon. We're seeing people move out of Multnomah County in Portland, going up to Clark County, Washington, and making that commute across the bridge while it still stands. Uh, and, And so it's not just here. It's pretty much across the country. So we are going to see that which in essence can, you can argue that that's going to cause home price growth in urban areas not to be as great as the suburbs. Maybe this is going to be, at long last, uh, the emergence of the suburbs again. Yeah, right. Well, we're um, hearing that. We have, we have we just did an engine installation and we had agents there from, uh, from Idaho, uh, uh, from, you know, yeah. uh, from Montana, from Bozeman area, and they're saying that they're getting this big influx. There's an influx 
of consumers coming from some of the major metropolitan areas that yeah. are, are relocating. Yeah, and, and they are. And so Idaho, you mentioned, well, it's fascinating to think about Idaho. Idaho has already recovered all of the jobs that it's lost due to COVID-19. It's only one other state that can say that, that's Utah. So Idaho has Boise City is doing remarkable things, great little airport, uh, doing really well. Uh, Coeur d'Alene, the market is top 10 markets in the country, uh, doing remarkably well as well. So and what's going on there is a bit different. I mentioned earlier that, yeah, I do expect that people can move out, but it'll be a part-time. You'll be away for a few days from the office and back in. However, on the longer term, we think about major businesses uh, where they used to have like the mothership, right, the central office, and grow there. Well, now many are thinking about going toward, toward what's called the hub and spoke model. Now, the hub and spoke model is you've got the, the grandiose office in the middle. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But as you grow, you're going to grow outwards. So you'll see those spokes going out. Yep. Where are they going to go? Boise, Spokane. I mean, I can name any number of secondary, one could even argue tertiary markets that I think will perform well, because that's why businesses, are, when they grow, they're going to grow out rather than in a central location. And that's going to bring up a lot of interest in some of these markets. And Spokane is a great place. I know you were just there. And the last time I was in Spokane, admittedly pre-COVID, I saw a traffic jam in Spokane. <laughs> I kid you not. Now, admittedly, it was going up the hill towards the, uh, the, the hospital, but, right. uh, but it was still there. So, uh, so I, I think that some of these other markets are, are ones which I think are going to do and perform better than uh, the average, really, across the country. So, yeah, that's going to happen. You're going to see that, that interest going on there. Now, I'm not saying that home prices are going to drop in urban markets. They won't. But the rate of appreciation, given where prices are today, which are remarkably high, now, it could be Seattle, it could be San Francisco, I can name several cities, but uh, that rate of growth is probably going to be lower than you're going to find out in those suburban markets, but also in some secondary and tertiary areas that many have overlooked for a very long time. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, Matthew, I want to thank you. So my takeaways from this talk today, Matthew, is that uh, the appreciation is going on, but uh, it's not anything to drastically worry about. Um, we will see a normal market, but most likely not in 2021, but more closely to 2022. And uh, real estate is still a good long-term investment, but just make sure it pencils out first to make sure that you're making a good, solid, sound financial decision. And if you're a buyer today, if you can, make a move sooner than later is what I'm hearing. Just remember, uh, as a buyer, it's your home first. It's an asset second. Exactly. That's remarkably important. And it's so easy to forget that. Yep, I agree. Well, hey, uh, if you're listening, if you're with Windermere, know that Matthew Gardner uh, pushes out his Q1, Q2, Q3, and Q4 reports. The Q1s just came out. If you want to find them, they're on the Windermere blog. Uh, you can also find Matthew Gardner. It's called Mondays with Matthew on YouTube. You just type in Mondays with Matthew and you can get all of his great advice and knowledge uh, through his videos. And Matthew, I just want to thank you for taking the time today. Really appreciate oh, it. Brother, oh, uh, delighted to see you. You're looking fantastic. And uh, one of these days where we will both be back in the same office. Exactly. And maybe, and maybe we'll do a live event again where, uh, where you and I are side by side on stage. That would be uh, really exciting to do again. I'm looking forward to that. I cannot wait. 
All right, everyone. Well, hey, thank you for listening to Ask a Winning Coach. Uh, if you have specific questions of myself, just fanning at winningmer.com. Uh, if you like what we're doing, let us know, pass it on, share it, and remember to be awesome and help somebody make it a great day. Well, we hope you enjoyed our podcast. We want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you found it useful or helpful, please feel free to share it and also give us a rating. Also, if you think that Windermere Coaching might be right for you, please feel free to just look us up at windermerecoaching.com. And we'll end by saying this, be awesome and help someone. Make it a great day.